When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. Uh, busy Friday as we lead into a huge weekend for sport in this country, actually. Um, of course, the Black Caps are in action, can you believe it, uh, in this temperature? Uh, but uh, more importantly, I feel anyway, uh, the Rugby World Cup for women gets underway uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, in the uh, early afternoon in Eden Park, going through into the evening. Should be a special occasion. Uh, and we're going to talk to Scott D. Stevenson about that too. Scotty Stevenson, of course, will be heavily involved in it, calling it. Um, so what is uh, his expectations for the Black Ferns, his expectations for the Rugby World Cup in fact we'll catch up uh, with Scotty very shortly um, we will be uh, having a, a chat with you too after 9.25 uh, after 9.30 in fact this morning, we shall be talking to you uh, and I look forward to that um, women, uh, women's uh, sport is going to be to the, very much to the fore, it hasn't already, it has already this year of course with the cricket but uh, certainly uh, with the rugby so um, uh, ladies, if you want to give us a call, fantastic, 0800 150811. We'll put you in the draw for a Chemist, Chemist Warehouse voucher. What are you expecting out of this uh, Women's World Cup? Uh, can uh, Wayne Smith and uh, Ted Henry and whatever, uh, can they bridge the gap that was so apparent less than 12 months ago? Mark Hinton and Kimberly Downs will be on the panel this morning. Uh, and then uh, just after uh, 11 o'clock, we'll be talking to David Long. David, of course, we spoke to him earlier in the week. Um, but we were talking to him because he's a Bathurst. He's a Bathurst, for goodness sake, the lucky man. And uh, things are up and running there. And uh, what about Murph, uh, our own Greg Murphy, uh, driving around Bathurst his quickest ever time, his quickest ever time with all the history he's had there. What a fantastic achievement that is. David Long on that and many more issues coming out of the great race. Uh, Rianne Farrell is a greyhound handler, just a young uh, woman who uh, is very much involved in the industry. We'll talk to her as part of our Friday chat with um, the greyhound personalities. And, of course, then we'll catch up with uh, Mickey G, Michael Guerin, uh, before midday as well as we hand over to staff on a very busy morning. Okay, right, uh, our little jingle, our little magical jingle for the sermon is uh, not running this morning. So I'll give you one anyway. That'll be a little bit of a slow entry into it. Uh, I'll bet you any amount of whatever that when Sir Graham Henry, Ted, walked away from Eden Park in 2011 with the William Webb Ellis tucked securely under his arm, he never thought he'd be back 11 years later trying to win the Women's World Cup. And that'll go for the Professor too. Uh, He can add Mike Cron to that list too. What a weird and not-so-wonderful twisting of events that has led to the supergroup of coaching once more joining forces to try and achieve what a mere six months or so ago was completely out of the question. Smith and Henry made light of the situation in their rare dual press conference a few days back, 
the latter joking he still didn't know all the names, referring to the group of ladies under his mentorship. At 76, he may well have trouble remembering them, and ain't that the truth. But I wouldn't mind being around the veteran group tomorrow evening when the Black Ferns take the field for their opening against the Aussies. Ted says the players will have plenty of emotion, and he's confident that they will embrace it. I'll lay another bet there will be a good deal of emotion in the coach's box as well. You see, 40,000 is the number they are saying. 40,000 fans at a women's rugby match. It will be heaving. There are Olympic medalists amongst our numbers. This moment will top that atmosphere for them, surely. And Smith, Henry and Co., which just by the by, folks, includes a Hanson as well, and all power to Whitney too. This group deserve a big pat on the back before a ball is kicked or passed. Why? Because their reputation and the performances to date under their tutelage have given us hope and belief that something special may well be in the offing. I'll leave the action, the playing side of it, to the callers and the analysts who will, I'm sure, be pretty damn chuffed to be involved. It will be a hugely special day tomorrow for them too. Best bib and tucker, pronunciations rehearsed, striving for the perfect accompaniment to the action. It's going to be one hell of a show. The Buddha won't be there. But he'd have said it, you know. Go, you good things, go. Go, you black ferns. Yep, uh, it is huge. It's absolutely massive for women's sport, and it is uh, an occasion that if you're going to be part of it, you're going to relish the opportunity, I promise you. 40,000 people, and uh, calling the action... Tomorrow at Eden Park will be Scott Stevenson. We know Scotty so well. Uh, he's been involved in calling rugby uh, all around the place and some very special occasions. Uh, but tomorrow, I think uh, he might just have a little bit of a, a, well, I don't say a tear in the eye, but there'll be some emotion because when that, those black ferns emerge from the tunnel at Eden Park, the roof will go off, even if they don't have one. Scotty, good morning to you. It's great to pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be speaking with you, Smithy. Uh, what a what an occasion! Hey, I, I just listened to the end of your sermon there, and and yeah, you're 100 percent right, mate. This is uh, such a, I think a watershed moment for women's sport in this country, and you're right too about the reputation of the Black Ferns, five-time world champions, playing finally a World Cup on home soil. Uh, occasions don't get much better than this for me. They don't, and you had a choice. Probably you could have been cr- commentating cricket in the snow. Yeah, I'm actually down there next week for the Tri-Series, so I'm I'm mixing it up. Yeah, after a while. So, yeah, cricket season starts today as well uh, from a men's perspective, and I've just got the white ferns in the background on the telly, Smithy, as they look like they're going to close out the series in the West Indies as well. So she's all go. They've made hard work at some of these uh, small run chases, uh, Scotty, but they'll get there. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so, I think they will. Not, <laughs> They're playing on four-wheel drive tracks by the looks too, Smitty. So it's, uh, it's been yeah. a tough slog, that's for sure. It has been a tough slog. Hey, look, what a, what a story this is, um, what's about to unfold in front of us. Uh, women's rugby in this country in particular, let's be fair, uh, what, eight, nine months ago was in a mess. We, we, we called on a couple of blokes who uh, they knew uh, would have the reputation, if anyone could, to turn it round. And it appears from the outside looking in, uh, they've got them pretty well primed. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Wayne Smith is a genius, uh, Smithy, and I, uh, I don't think it would be unfair to say that without Wayne Smith's prowess, uh, New Zealand wouldn't have been the World Cup champion in 2011 or 2015, for that matter. 
Um, the man has uh, an, an incredible ability to unlock performance. And I suspect that what he did first and foremost was establish what style of rugby suits the athletes at his disposal. Uh, he had a big focus on getting them fit again, uh, which was necessary after that November tour. And, and remember, there is mitigation here for the performances on that November tour. The fact that we'd had COVID lockdowns that had no rugby, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they were in the same boat that so many others were in. But, you know, uh, judging professional athletes on that level is one thing. Our women are largely still amateur. Um, so, look, I think what they've done is they've got together. Um, they've, they've cleaned house and, and whatever you think of, of what went on with, with Glenn Moore and, and the review into him. Uh, they've got these coaches in place. The girls believe in these coaches. They believe now in a style of rugby that they want to play, which is fast, uh, which is continuity game and not looking for contact, essentially trying to use the evasion and the athleticism involved in the squad um, to actually unlock a performance. And um, we saw, I think, that reach at Zenith against Japan at Eden Park uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, Smithy. That was an incredible performance from the Black Ferns. And mm. forget the opposition for a second. To play a game of rugby like that with so much accuracy and so much connection for 80 minutes, as you well know, that is something special. If they can take that into this tournament... Uh, then, you know, look, they've got every right to be in the final at Eden Park come November 12th. Scotty, I look at the team named uh, by Wayne Smith for encounter number one yep. against the, the Australians, um, and I must confess that this is a, a fairly familiar-looking 15 for me, and it does include um, all the, I guess, all the resources he could probably drag, drag across from uh, the Sevens players as well. He hasn't wasted any time uh, getting them in, and, and they really do have a great influence on this side. They certainly do. Um, Stacey Flula in the midfield, Ruby Tui and Portia Woodman on the wings, and Sarah Hidden, he comes straight back in to start at open side flanker. Um, you know, that, that's a wealth of experience uh, and just in that group alone. Of course, Portia Woodman, uh, Stacey Flula and Sarah Hidden, he also won the last World Cup with the Black Ferns in 2017 and were instrumental in that second half performance that saw them get across the line. Uh, but there's some fresh talent in there as well. And, uh, you know, I look, I look through that, that front five in particular, Smithy, with Love, Connor and Rule in the front row, Ngan Wu and Brenda uh, locking the scrum. Uh, Ngan Wu, I think, has the potential to be a breakout star of this tournament. She has been in absolute stellar form all through the year, actually, when you consider the Pac-4 and then the Laurie O'Reilly series in that game at Eden Park. She's, uh, she is certainly a player to watch. So they've got a great balance, uh, and I think that, Nine and ten combination of Cox Edge and DeMont will just get better and better through the tournament. And the, the Cox Edge story is a great one. Uh, of course, we oh. all know that this is her last hurrah as such. Uh, but uh, her emotions tomorrow will be, I think, quite... Uh, I'd love to be inside her head, actually, and just see when she walks down that tunnel, uh, when she acknowledges or walks out and says, look where we've come from, folks. Uh, we would have played a game like this when I first started with 3,000, 4,000 people watching. And there's 40,000 yeah. here. Uh, I mean, she must feel quite chuffed about that. I think she does. Uh, and she, she's very open about that. And I know that she was interviewed yesterday and, and said, look, yeah, there's going to be some mixed emotions. Uh, but I think she's cleverly come out and said, look, this is going to be my last. So let's not carry that into the tournament. I've made that decision. So now I can go out there and, and I can focus on playing footy. 
She is a key member of this team, as we know. She's a Black Ferns legend, a former New Zealand rugby player of the year. That's rugby player, not women's rugby player. Um, so she is going to, I think, enjoy every second of this tournament. Uh, and, and knowing Kendra, uh, she will just thrive in the environment that is going to be there for her tomorrow. Well, Scotty, there's three great matches tomorrow. It's not just about the Black Ferns, yep. of course. And uh, the way I look at it, South Africa against France, that's at 2.15. Uh, Fiji, what a great story this is their first ever World Cup and they're playing against the tournament favourites England at 4.45 they'll have a massive crowd for that and of course Australia and New Zealand at 7.15 we are likely in all honesty to see the winner of the World Cup on show tomorrow at Eden Park Absolutely right Uh, look I'm not going to give South Africa much of a show against France or Fiji much of a show against England but that's beside the point great occasion for for those sides Um, it's been the fifth time South Africa have played France they've never beaten them there has been a draw some time ago uh, but the last match between these two ended with uh, 50 in the bank for France and not too many for South Africa so I expect similar uh, tomorrow night Um, Fiji will thrive in that environment too won't they but yeah I think it'll be interesting to see how France and England approach these two sides, especially how England approaches Fiji, who will play open rugby, who will play athletic rugby, as we know there's the Fijian way, um, and whether England sort of fall into the trap of playing a little bit looser or whether they keep it tight. And it's going to be very interesting for them. These are marker games, aren't they? Opening games of World Cups. Mm-hmm. There will be nerves. Um, but look, I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's three teams in contention for this World Cup. That's the home side, and that's France, and that's England. I think those are the three and they're all on show tomorrow night, as you mentioned. Okay, so there, there are lingering questions. I mean, we know from the outside looking in that things are better within the camp. We know uh, the attitude is better. Uh, we know the intent is better. Relationships are better. Everything is, it seems to be is on the up. What we don't know, Scotty, uh, the unknown factor is how well are we going to be able to mix it um, uh, in terms of the power side of things with England and France? Do you think we've closed the gap there, or is it hard to tell? Well, it is very hard to tell. Uh, A lot of water, as you mentioned, has gone under the bridge since November. Um, And I I do look at the team selection here, and I think it's a real signal from Ian Smith about the kind of uh, team he wants to to play throughout this tournament. Uh, In Love, Connor and Rule, you've got some very powerful ball carriers, uh, those front rowers. Um, And Ngan Wu, as I mentioned earlier, and Bremner are great support players, good runners. McMenamin is a a stalwart of the side. She'll get over the ball. She'll tackle hard. And so will Mikaeli too. So, you know, I think they've got a pack that can mix it with any pack in the world. Maybe size-wise, they might be a little bit down, but that's why they need to play smarter. And I think going back to that original point about Wayne Smith, He's a great observer of the game. He's a great strategist when it comes to the game. And, and he's obviously designed a game plan, uh, if not to confront the big packs of England and France, then certainly to negate the influence they might have. Style of play then. Uh, we know um, he's the professor for a reason because he develops styles with what the, uh, the artillery that he's got at his disposal I would imagine we would we like to play. We need good conditions. We'd like to play a fast game. Do we have, we have to stretch these bigger, powerful sides around the park? Do we? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And and I think you know instead of looking for contact and looking to play set piece and and, and the ruck game, well, I think we saw indications of how they want to play against Japan, where the pass is made in contact, lots of offloads, lots of close running support players, continuity. Um, and always looking for width. Busy wingers. Um, you're going to see Woodman and Tui uh, in this opening game, I'm, I'm sure, get busy. Uh, and then they've got some really strong 
running midfielders in Duplessis uh, and Flula. So, look, they'll give the side the direction through the middle, but I think everyone else is really there to play the link game. And uh, if they play that well, then man, it takes away some of the advantage that these, these bigger sides, more powerful sides, think they have. Is Australia a bit of a banana skin for you? I mean, we're favourites, but is it? We're, we're heavy favourites, actually. Yeah, look, they've never beaten New Zealand, Smithy. Um, and you know, while they, they certainly put on an improved performance in Australia in the Laurie O'Reilly series, they still, you know, they were still soundly beaten in the end. Um, I, I don't think so. I think that New Zealand will embrace this occasion. Australia will be the nervous team. Uh, they'll be the ones with a point to prove. The Black Ferns will be out there to, to, to just lay down their, their base to say, right, this is the starting point of the tournament. Um, and, and they are heavy favourites. They should be heavy favourites. And, and I don't think they'll be troubled by this Australian team. Not on this occasion, not at home, not in their home tournament. You're a young man, but you've already commentated a lot of sport, in particular a lot of uh, rugby and cricket now, of course, these days. Where is this going to rank for you? Oh, huge. And look, I'll be part of the presentation team for the tournament rather than the commentary team, mate. But, you know, just having a... Look, mate, we've worked together a lot, Smithy, and we've seen some wonderful things in our time. But, uh, look, that, that occasion tomorrow night when, when I arrive at Eden Park and, I, and that crowd builds up and, and we get to the to the main event from a New Zealand point of view. Uh, look, I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to stand there and I'm going to look around and, and I'm going to applaud the people of New Zealand who are turning out for these women who deserve the support they're going to get tomorrow night. And I think too that it just says for the rest of the tournament, this is what it's all about. This is the spirit that we're going to create. It's a world record crowd tomorrow. Um, hopefully they get as close to a sellout as possible. I'm pretty sure they will. Um, and it, that'll just be a moment to cherish. A moment, not just for me, but for friends of our Smithy who have represented New Zealand as women athletes as well. I think all of them uh, to a woman will look at that crowd and, and say, you know what, we've all been a part of this journey and um, look at how far we've come. In terms of the coverage, Scotty, what are, what are our options for those people listening in at home? Because there has been one regret from a lot of the people, um, of course, south of, of Auckland who have said, you know, yep. we're going to miss out. We, we, you know, this is a great shame. This is, this is New Zealand showcasing women's rugby, but it's only in a geographic in a very small area. So there will be a lot of people depending on the coverage as such. What are their options? Yeah, look, well, Spark Sport obviously have every game live, so that's all 26 matches, um, and you can subscribe to Spark Sports, $24.99 a month, I believe, uh, at the moment. So technically speaking, mate, you can get the entire World Cup for 50 bucks, um, which is not bad value for money, that, um, 26 matches. There will also be eight games shown on three, who are um, Spark Sports' um, free-to-wear partner. So there'll be delayed coverage of uh, the Black Ferns game tomorrow night on TV3 as well. For those who don't wish to shell out on subscriptions, um, you've, you've got a, a delayed coverage starting on three tomorrow night. So eight games will be on three, uh, delayed, and 26 matches uh, live on uh, Spark Sport. So you can watch live or on demand. Scotty, it's going to be a hell of a show. Um, uh, I'll be watching in. I, I absolutely, you've, uh, well, on the station in particular, we've sort of lived the growth, actually, right from uh, the time when it turned to, to uh, custard, uh, December last year, November, December. I've been watching the progress, and we sort of lived through it. So uh, we'll be very much part of it. Uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, good luck with the coverage. Good luck with the presentation. Um, I'm sure it's going to be massive, whatever way it goes. Have, have a great month. Thank you so much, Smitty. Lovely to talk to you, and uh, yeah, hope the fans get behind it. It'll be great.
Yeah, cheers. Uh, Scotty Stevenson there, folks, uh, of course, who will be presenting the show. Uh, he'll be numero uno, uh, bringing all the analysis to you, um, all the reflections, uh, trying to build the atmosphere. That's his role tomorrow. I'm not sure he'll have too hard a job with 40,000 at Eden Park on day one, um, but uh, it'll be great coverage, and uh, we encourage you to get involved uh, Get involved if you're not one of the 40,000 at Eden Park. Uh, be one of the people on your couch at home. It's 9.22 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ooh, open up your window. You might be able to smell the fumes coming all the way across the Tasman from Bathurst. What a great weekend it is for those big boys and their supercars. And one of our big boys is over there, of course, Murph. We've been talking to him about it for weeks, months, about the fact that uh, he was going to be driving in it. Well, he did something special. He beat his own lap of the gods time, the, the most famous, one of the most famous times set way, way, way back in his heyday, uh, that where they labelled it the lap of the gods. He's got out and beaten it. He's gone out and beaten it. And this was his reaction. Well, Greg Murphy's out of the car. We've got some rattle guns sounding off down here at the moment. 206.8, that was lap time to beat. It's taken 19 years, and in true lap of the gods fashion, you didn't just beat it, you smashed it, your first five. How good's that? Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm, I'm enjoying that a little bit too much, actually. Um, it's just, I had to I keep keep training the brain to, to do do things a bit differently, and it's, it's just how good these things are under brakes how much speed you carry in on the trail and I, I sort of just you know when I put the other tyre on um, I just kept telling myself to to not brake so hard at the brake point that I think is the point of no return and uh, and it just keeps coming and then you know I got to have another run there at the finish which which was awesome because I just kept kept trying to push that same that same theory and that's I mean it's just where it's at and the cars just they just they just hang on they just hang on you just turn them in and Oh, anyway, it's 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 my brain's just still just trying to adjust to it. You didn't jam it in first coming out of the dipper that time. No, if I did, man, if you go the wrong way on the gear on the gear lever on one of these, you're in a you're in a power of trouble. So uh, I was actually really enjoying that, and um, I, you know I feel like I've got a you know still a there's a lot there to to unpack. I know it's a little thing in the grand scheme of things, but was there a part of you that wanted to beat that number this week? And was it a goal that you wanted to at least tick off? I don't know if it was a part of me. I think it was absolutely dead set that he buried in, in inside that you know that would be it'd be horrid if I never managed to beat that. So I think that that time's about almost exactly a second faster. Um, but you know, um, yeah, and I set a new goal now, I suppose. But uh, it, it feels really comfortable um, at that pace. The car is. Feels very easy to drive. It's not no stress whatsoever. So, you know, I I, I just wish Richie had got a better chance today to to showcase. Sounds like a kid in a candy shop all of a sudden, doesn't he? Greg Murphy. He's absolutely loving it. You can hear the tone of his voice there. He's fired up for this weekend after all the speculation. What about three weeks ago, there was doubt that it was ever going to come to fruition, wasn't it? They had to hope that uh, they could do repairs to another car. So his car wasn't poached, to be fair. Um, but they've done it, and Murph's there, and he is firing, just like the car on all cylinders. Fantastic news, that. Right, uh, it's 9.30 here on SENZ. We're inviting you to call after the news here. 0800 150 811 is our number. We'll give you a chance to win the Chemist Warehouse voucher. What will you be watching this weekend? I, I don't even know myself. I'm working on uh, an MPC game, a, a, a quarterfinal match in Wellington, between Wellington and Hawke's Bay. But aside from that... 
What are you going to watch? I've got no idea. Will you be watching Bathurst, you petrol heads? Uh, you're going to be watching Bathurst. What about uh, the rugby watchers? Now, here's your choice. Uh, are you going to be watching NPC action? Are you going to be watching the Women's World Cup? I certainly hope so. Maybe you're not um, for some reason. Uh, what about this? What about uh, watching the Black Caps play in the snow at the weekend uh, down at Hagley Oval? Uh, there's that option as well. There are so many things to watch. Trackside as well, of course, will be on uh, the agenda for a lot of you. What are your viewing preferences, your listening preferences this weekend? Love to hear from you after the news here with Aroha. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Yes, what will you be watching this weekend? It is just chock full of quality. It's a hard uh, selection to uh, pick one out of. Jeff, the ref from Cromwell, will be uh, here. And I'll venture to say, Jeff, I'll start the ball rolling here with you. I'll venture to say um, there will be less stoppages in the women's games of rugby than there will be in the men's games of rugby this weekend. There you go. Yeah, good call, Smithy. How are you, mate? <coughs> Blue skies, snow down, almost not quite ground level here in Coma Vegas, but uh, a stunning day, oh, actually, beautiful. now. Uh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, no, beautiful. Like, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. The, that's the sort of the, the, the viewpoint I was going to sort of talk about, is the woman's, how, how far the woman's refer, ref, referees came, you know, and, and also, the, you know, obviously, the the quality of women's rugby now. When I started 27 years ago, when we got a woman's appointment back back then, we well, come up with an excuse not to referee it, you know, back in those days. But the, the last 10 years, the quality is just is outstanding. And obviously the, the, the women's referees, they got a good feel of the game. You know, the games are watched, you know, they let the game flow, they let the breakdowns breathe. You know, that game in Eden Park there, when I went up to the curtain raiser there for, you know, she she refereed that English referee. She's outstanding, and you know she let let the players play rugby. Um, so let's hope that that standards, you know, let the game flow and let the players play rugby and and let that breakdown breathe, so we get the ball flowing and less penalties for the. Um, the only concern I've got is, you know, how are we gonna are we gonna be now we see what happened to the All Blacks, you know, against England and France. Um, um, so hopefully we can muscle up and um, and get that quick ball, you know. Um, and uh, Otago had the same issues back in the 80s against Auckland, those bigger sides. But, you know, oh, they just sped the ball up, they sped the game up. And I've just been watching some of those old classic Otago games where they just sped the ball up and kept it alive. And, and uh, they were... More than competitive, so let's. I know that's what Smithy's going to be doing, and Graham Henry is to run those big four packs around. But we've still got to win the set pieces. We've got to try and be competitive at the set pieces still, you know, to, to get uh, get get that uh, quick ball, something to play with. Uh, will you Will you be yeah. watching? What will you be watching, Jeff? Well, the first thing I've done is sent the misses away for the weekend, so then I've got no issues. You know, there. So I'll be obviously going to be supporting the girls. Um, I'll be watching the second second South Island team since my old Otago team got bummed 
bottled, um, got chucked out there last weekend. So, yeah, I'll be watching that other red team. Um, and cricket, I'll be watching it all. Some of the elders have to record a, a few things. And um, I still watch it live, but recorded some of the, you know, I'm just passionate. So, I'll, I'll be using my phone and the, and the TV, mate, sitting back and having the whole weekend <laughs> watching sport, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I, so I think yourself, you'll be in it. Yeah, you'll be in a big group. Well, tomorrow I'm committed to uh, Sky Stadium in Wellington, where, of course, um, Wellington uh, hosts Hawks Bay. So for a couple of hours, I'll be tied up there. And then uh, afterwards, um, I'll find a TV somewhere where I'm able to just sit and take it all in. Actually, I'll probably try and find a bar, you know, where you can go to a bar that's got them all on. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Jeff. I'll be scrounging around Wellington somewhere where I can look at a bar, sports bar that's got them all on at the same time, and I'll yep. probably do my neck, do my neck, and get whiplash. But I'll be looking at every possible <laughs> thing I can over, over the weekend, mate. So I, it's just we're so lucky. Uh, weekend after weekend, we get provided with so much quality um, to watch and to talk about, mate. You have a great weekend, Jeff. Have a great week weekend. You, you too, Smiley. Cheers, man. Thanks for your call. Uh, Kerry from Manawatu. G'day, Kerry. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, hey, mate. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. I went down to the garage last night to sort my beer fridge out. There was a broccoli <laughs> and an old cabin. Bits and pieces in there that doesn't be in there. So that went to the shops and I reloaded the fridge and she's chocker, mate. So, um, what's what's on what's on your agenda? What's first up? Uh, first up tonight will be the Battle of the Bridge game. Uh, that's that's right. a tough one to call. What do you reckon? What do you I don't know, actually. Uh, well, uh, North Harbour are hosting it, so advantage them. Uh, Auckland uh, have re, uh, have bolstered their troops a wee bit. Akira Ioane, Patrick Torpiloto in there as well, so... I would be thinking um, that will add a wee bit to Auckland. Uh, Auckland won the last one, yeah. but uh, North Harbour are a better side, I think, since the last time they met. Uh, they've galvanised even uh, to be a, a really fine-tuned machine, actually. They've got a great back three, and, and I like the look of North Harbour. I can't pick it. I'm, I'm with you, Kerry. I simply can't pick that one. Yeah, so it's, you know, what a, what a weekend it's going to be. Um, yeah, that, and I'd love to be in Auckland to go and support the girls. Um, I really would. It'd be a fantastic occasion. I, I think they'll, um, they'll they'll do Aussie by a good 20 points, personally. Um, yeah. 20, 30 points. Um, Bathurst Murphy is just like you say, he's a he's a kid again. And he's he'd be good for top six, I reckon. Um, and then the rest, of the, the rest of the rugby right down to Heartland results. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. It's going to be a lot of empties yeah, uh, on Monday, I'll tell you that. <laughs> the old recycling truck will be stopping for a little bit longer than normally outside your joint. Well, it certainly will, mate. <laughs> hey, thanks very much, very much for your call, Kerry. I wish I was uh, sitting on the couch alongside you. Sounds like a, a really cool weekend, uh, just taking it all in. Joey from Auckland. G'day, Joey. Thanks for your call. Yeah, good actually. It's look, it's gonna be fantastic, isn't it? You know, and I think the move from of two percent second five eight is uh, a bit of a master. Could be a bit of a master uh, move by Wayne Smith. She reminds me a lot of um, the great um, Bruce Robertson. She straightens up the play well, and at second five eight, you know how with Geordie Barrett 
was, was the same with the All Blacks. She could well be um, the a difference, you know, further down the track in the in the World Cup at second five eight. She's very, very good with her hands. You know, she's got great skills um, with that. You know, most of them have now, um, and it's, it's going to be just going to be fantastic. I mean, it's just unbelievable for New Zealand women's rugby and and, and everything. I think it's brilliant, mate. And and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, tomorrow will be interesting for me because uh, whilst I'm looking forward to watching England and France play as well because I think they are, they are the, uh, the yardstick here, I, I don't think we're going to get a, a true indication, Joey, of just how good they are or, or how, fa- how far they've come on, come on either because, in all honesty, they won't be tested. I don't think they will have to play all their cards tomorrow. No, they'll they'll be hard. They'll be, England England will be very hard to beat, Smithy. You know, um, uh, you know the way they beat us uh, over there uh, only uh, nine months ago. I know nine months is a long time, but um, they're going to be very tough. And you know, it's going to be our defence. The, the um, Blackfriends' defence is, is obviously going to win games like like anything wins games for you and wins can win test matches big time because those England England forwards are, and being professional, fully professional now. It makes a huge difference as well, I think. You know, and, and um, France, I, I think if it's a semi-final and we play France, I think we can roll them. But England are going to be very, very tough. And like you say, tomorrow uh, against the sides they're playing, you won't, it, you know, it looks as though they, they'll steamroll both of those sides. Well, in saying that, they should do if they're, if they're you know, right up there. And um, our test against Australia is going to be very, very good because I know Australia hasn't beaten us. But, um, you know, they pushed us a little bit over uh, in Adelaide. But, um, I, you know, I think we'll get over, over the line there. It shouldn't be too much of a problem, um, really. Oh, and um, I say Hawke's Bay, too. I, I quite like Hawke's Bay, actually. I'll put Hawke's Bay into my multi later this morning. I, I just don't... I just don't... Uh, They've they got nothing to lose now. The Shield's gone. Uh, they're the underdogs. Uh, I just think they might throw a hell of a performance at Wellington tomorrow. I'm not saying Wellington won't counter it, but I, I think that'll be a fair old game of footy just after two o'clock tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon in Wellington. Um, that that'll be, um, uh, you know, the, the rom- there's a bit of a romance for me about this whole thing tomorrow, Joey at Eden Park. As I said in the sermon, uh, I remember the body language and watching Ted Henry as uh, he walked around Eden Park with um, with his wife Rowan. They were just taking it all in after they'd won the World Cup. Um, and just it was just an absolutely wonderful occasion. Um, and I'll bet you, along with Wayne Smith and along with Mike Cron, they would never have believed that over a decade later they'd be doing it all again with the New Zealand women's team. It's quite a romantic sort of a story in a way. Yeah, well, it's fantastic, really. You know, like, like Wayne Smith, a mate of mine um, has, has been up in Scotland, and uh, he, he, he played for Scotland, Sean and me, and he said Wayne Smith, was unbelievable. He went and had a, uh, a few meetings with him, and he said years ago, he said Wayne Smith, he said was unbelievable as a tactician and as a you know, guy with rugby. His ded- dedication to everything, he said, was just immaculate. And he said he, he's just he's just that's why they call him Professor, obviously. He said he's just fantastic. And um and yeah, and he has changed that side. You know, the, you know, you go back uh, just quickly, Billy. You go back um twelve months ago, nine months ago, we were in all sorts of problems. You know, we had there, there was all sorts of things going on with that side, you know, and him and um, Henry and that have, have sorted it out, and he's got things going the way that, that he wants to play the game, and um, yeah, I think they I think they're a massive chance to win it. I really do.
And nine months ago, I wouldn't have said that. Hell no. Hell no. You're right there, mate. And uh, I'll tell you something else. We've we've, uh, vilified New Zealand rugby over a lot of issues this year, but they certainly pulled the right rein there when they put that group together, I promise you. Uh, Dean from Dunedin. Dean, good morning to you, sir. Yeah, when this is over and done with, mate, is that group ready to go take over the real team? Yeah, take over the real team, that's it. I, mean, I don't mean that. I mean that's tongue in cheek because I wish the girls all the best. We got the old uh, black friend. Oh, sorry. I thought you. The... I thought you were, were talking about the real team. I thought you were talking about the real team uh, with uh, the black ferns. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, I just hope Portia Woodman can stay on deck for the whole tournament because watching her score those in the way tries, that's like John Kerr and his absolute best way back when rugby was played properly and I, I don't mean it disrespectfully with the woman I, I didn't think I'd ever see myself watching it to be brutally honest but it reminds me of 80s rugby because you can see tries coming because the forwards aren't all out in the backs getting in the way defensively I mean you know the men's games change so much because of the, the physicality, the fitness the everything that and they're too scared to commit to a ruck because the referee's got no idea and he's going to make a penalty to someone. They don't go there very often, whereas the woman, they still spend a bit of time around that middle bit and there's a bit more space in the back. So it's actually, I'm not being disrespectful. I like watching it. You can see it, you can see it happening. You can say, go left, go left. Whereas the men's, it's just, it's almost rugby league. I still love it, don't get me wrong. I'm really looking forward to the Knights game. Like, yeah, no one can take that. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen, but... And it's the hatred that I love about it, you know. We have the old, that classic punch-up battle of the bridge when we had uh, Eric Rush and Frank Bunce and those boys going at it. You know, that, that's, the, that's the mentality and sentiment that will come out tonight in bucket loads. And, you know, that's why we love MPT rugby. It's not just because it's a great game. It's because there's history and there's passion and there's, Everything you could want. I mean, I think they might have dropped the ball a little bit, but I don't really know why you're playing the same side. I thought they should have played it the other way, but it doesn't matter. We've got, I believe, the best teams have made it through, to be honest. I can't take anything away from North, and they've played bloody good rugby, Smithy. Mm. Absolutely, they have. Dino, um, you're absolutely spot on. And, um, you know, it won't get lost this weekend. It won't get lost. It's, uh, it's not number one cab off the rank, I don't think, this weekend, the NPC. I think the Women's Rugby World Cup is. And unfortunately for the cricketers, I think they're down there about number three or four. Maybe Bathurst has got them covered as well. But you're right. You're dead right. Um, it's, there's going to be some fantastic encounters. And there will be a little tribalism. A little bit of tribalism amongst those NPC provinces. It's 9.47 here on SENZ. SENZ. 9.52 here on SENZ. So uh, Logan Swinkles, uh, there's a bit of uh, snow and ice going on in the South Island, but there's uh, no ice hockey for you to watch this weekend. So what's going to attract your attention? Or is there, Smithy? Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, mm. it's this is really crept up. The um, the NHL regular season kind of starts this weekend because they're doing games in the Czech Republic. But oddly enough, no, that is not what's really on my calendar this weekend. Uh, I'm really excited for the Breakers' homecoming, finally. 489 days back to Spark Arena, taking on the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. And Rob Lowe is in the lineup. He's cleared with a sprained ankle. I can't wait for that. That is my... That is my go-to for the weekend. And I hadn't even mentioned that. I mean, this probably, um, when you think the All Blacks aren't involved, 
um, and no NRL. It's one of the busiest weekends of sport in terms of options that I can recall for quite some time. Yeah, this is th- exactly. This is huge. And I mean, like I, I was saying to you before the show, the NPC kind of feels like it's uh, going on under the radar because of just how much there's on. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Hey, listen, folks, you can text us on double eight double three, double eight double three. That is our temper phone line, uh, text line, I, I should say. And I'd really love to hear from you. What are you going to watch? What are you going to watch this weekend? What is your order of preference uh, this weekend? Um, it promises to be an absolute bonanza, a smorgasbord. In fact, uh, we'll be back very shortly with um, with a with a multi. A voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith okay. on SENZ. Right, multi for the weekend, folks. This is it. Uh, Auckland to beat Harbour tonight. A dollar sixty-seven. I think they'll trek across the bridge and they'll get the chockies, as they say. A dollar sixty-seven. Uh, French rugby. Castro to beat Montpellier. Castro to beat Montpellier at a dollar forty-five. That's something out of the square a wee bit, isn't it? Uh, and Hawks Bay to beat Wellington at two dollars eighty. Two dollars eighty for Hawks Bay. Not sure about that. Six dollars seventy-eight. I'll take that multi any day of the week. Ten bucks on that. Ten buckaroonies. Sixty-seven dollars eighty. Yeah, that'll be cool. Pretty cool. Uh, so that'll cover my balls and tees. My balls and tees for the weekend. That'll be good. Uh, right, we've got. Uh, Football after the break. Football after the break with Jacob Spoonley. And what he doesn't know about football isn't worth knowing, and we're about to find that out. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ, and it's a big weekend of football ahead, not just for the Premier League either, because the football ferns are in Nagano taking on Japan in a one-off international friendly this Sunday. But before that, the Wellington Phoenix begin their A-League campaign at home, taking on Adelaide United. Much-awaited appointment on the calendar, that one, I can assure you. Uh, joining us now is uh, former All-Whites goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley, football pundit, excellent football commentator, hack golfer, uh, but apart from that, um, he's with us now. Uh, Jacob Spoonley, uh, this weekend, this weekend, uh, what kind of challenges will the football ferns get out of the Japanese side? Uh, I would have thought the other way around, perhaps. Japan are pretty good, aren't they? Japan are pretty good, Smithy. And um, I think I've, I've, I've migrated and evolved a little bit from hat golfer to, to just frustrated golfer. So um, that's where we're at. But look... It's a, it's a great opportunity for um, the football fans to uh, go to Japan. They've got their game against Japan. They're also having an extended camp. So this is, I think, the real betting in period that Klimkova has identified prior to the World Cup. And she's got some wonderful attacking young talent in the team now. So we've seen her utilise a 4-4-2, really similar to what the Wellington Phoenix are doing, um, instead of going with a 4-3-3, which she used initially. And I think that really is going to maximise the skills of Jackie Hand, who's just won the Finnish Cup in Finland, and also newly converted football firm, India Page Riley. So we could see those two players uh, playing in the attacking 10 roles, providing that creative threat that we've really looked for uh, in the Cerns team as they're now progressing towards that World Cup. Uh, Jacob, and that's, the, that's been the key, hasn't it, really? And it's, and it's the same, to, to be fair, uh, for the All-Whites. Getting on the score sheet has been an issue. It has, it has. And um, like, there's no denying that, Smitty. It's, um, I know I get 
um, branded as someone who's you know, enthusiastic and optimistic. But um, it, it is something that we're keenly aware of. Um, I think in the Sky Sports team is uh, the fact that the All Whites went five games without scoring a goal looked um, creative, looked uh, interesting at times, but just couldn't get it on the back of the net. Similarly, up until recently in the um, last window where they played Mexico and the Philippines scored three goals in those two games, the football ferns had questions asked of them about where their goals will come from. So I think for both Yeka Kunkova and uh, Danny Hay, um, depending on whether or not he continues in the role, and obviously he's off contract at the moment, that's going to be, I think, the biggest question for both sides. And look, Smitty, let's not play it down. Let's not overlook it. It is the most valuable thing that you can have on a football field. It is something that everyone across the world craves the ability to create and then convert goals. And that's why Hartland is grabbing all the headlines at the moment because he just does it with such efficiency in a manner that we've never mm. seen it before. I'll get to the Premier League uh, shortly with you, uh, Jacob, as a bit of a preview for what's coming up this weekend. But I just want to stay briefly on uh, women's football, of course. Uh, the announcement during the week that uh, the football ferns will play in Christchurch. Uh, first time since 1991, 31 years against uh, South Korea. Fantastic news, Smithy. Absolutely wonderful that we've got the football fans coming home and really um, drawing that curtain and opening it up to what we're going to expect to see as part of this World Cup. Not only the World Cup itself, but also the preparations. There's an, an incredibly busy schedule both for the football fans and also for sites that want to come to New Zealand and prepare. So there's going to be a buffet of football, particularly women's football, over the next 12 months. And I think what it's going to do for the football fans is going to provide them an opportunity to show how exciting some of these young players in particular, but also some of the senior players that we really haven't seen for large parts of their career um, and bring this Ferns team, this New Zealand football Ferns team, home to New Zealand. Yeah, I think it's it's wonderful. And uh, whilst the Rugby World Cup is uh, on our doorstep, literally, and, um, you know, Jacob, I don't think anyone's quite going grasp, to grasp the interest in the uh, women's Football World Cup at the same time next year. I don't think people have got quite got a handle on how big that's going to be yet. No, and I think um, as Kiwis, obviously we are oriented towards the the oval ball and rugby and rugby league. And, and fair enough, it's a real passion part of our DNA, and, and rightly so with cricket in the summer. I think the global aspect of the of the tournaments, particularly the Football World Cup, that hasn't really come home to the Kiwi audience just yet. We're talking about, I think it's the fifth biggest tournament in the world. So the Men's World Cup, the Olympics, um, I'm not sure what the other tournaments are, but then you get down to the Women's Football World Cup, I think is just underneath the Men's Rugby World Cup. So these are tournaments of humongous scale, and it's so wonderful that we're going to have the ability to host them. And I think we're going to do a wonderful job hosting them. Well, speaking of hosting, Wellington get to host the Phoenix uh, this weekend. It's just been so long. So this is going to be a massive occasion. First up, of course, they've got Adelaide United. What chance of a successful homecoming? It's going to be a tough question. This is the Adelaide United side that went to the semi-finals, And we're really unfortunate just to get pipped by um, Melbourne City 2-1. So they went 1-0 up in the uh, second leg and were leading Melbourne City for a lot of that game, only to be pipped right at the very last. Um, the Wellington Phoenix, they made the playoffs last year. They had, uh, I think they overachieved in a lot of respects. Um, and 
I think there's a lot of enthusiasm that's bubbling around, not only the capital, but also New Zealand, about what this team can do. It seems in the off-season, um, David Dome and the Phoenix's admin committee has had a plan. They're organised. And I think that's a reason to celebrate a team that is returning to normality. So this is going to be a celebration of us kind of welcoming them home, um, but also understanding that they're going to be in their beds for the weeks in preparation for games. They're going to be meeting friends and family. They're going to have normality returning. And after they've sacrificed so much, I think this is a, another opportunity for the football community to say thank you to this Wellington Phoenix team that not only participated, but really took the game to the Australians. And I touched on that plan and that organisation. We've really seen that in the investment, particularly of their import spots. So Zavada, Trev, uh, Jan Sass, um, and then you combine that with the likes of Costa Barbarousis, the boy that's coming home for the second time in his Wellington Phoenix career. And I think we've got a lot of attacking options. We touched on the fact that goals and creativity um, at times have been a challenge for the All-Whites and the Ferns. Equally, they have been that for the Wellington Phoenix, who have controlled large parts of the game but haven't always converted when they've had the ascendancy to really convert draws into wins or to avoid losses. And this season, I think Ufuk Tala has got a number of options here, but also different kinds of options. He's got physical threats in the likes of Krayev and Zavada. He's got the technical players in the likes of Costa Barbarousis and the evolved Ben Old. And then he's also just got the out-and-out physicality of the likes of Ben Wayne and David Ball. So... Depending on how the game is going, Ufuk Tully has um, horses for courses, and that's the exciting thing for me. He's got two or three horses that aren't available to him uh, initially anyway, of course. Better news, though, for Alex Roofer. It seems he could be back sooner than uh, everyone was thinking. David Ball is out uh, with a foot injury as well. Um, and what's the news around Clayton Lewis, too? Uh, there was some footage uh, apparently flying around uh, with him training with the team. So what, what are we looking at in terms of leadership? Because that, that's a massive key for the Phoenix. Exactly. And I think that word leadership is, is precisely what the likes of Alex Rufa brings to the table. Some fans have been, in my opinion, overly critical of him, um, looking for him to do more on the ball and not appreciating the disruptive presence that he brings um, to this Wellington Phoenix side in terms of breaking up the play of opponents, but also the leadership. He really has been the conduit between the staff and the players at times, and that settling influence is something that I don't think you can really quantify. Um, in terms of the player that we were hoping to see return to Auckland um, for the All-Whites and Clayton Lewis, I think he's going to return ahead of schedule. I'm not sure if he was simply training yesterday, but he was definitely seeing... Um, on the field with the team. And that, that is, that is uh, that's a reason to be enthused, Smithy, because he is a player that provides that creative element. And um, we've seen him really develop that kind of physicality and that, that combative nature that um, Alex Rufer brought to the table. And for me, there's an aggregation effect here where if you put him alongside Steven Ugarkovich, who the Phoenix have just signed off-season who for me is one of the best midfielders in the competition, up there with the likes of Luke Bratton. Um, I think you could have a really dynamic combination in that engine room for the Phoenix, in that um, position that Tale asked so much of, the guys that need to spray the ball out right, but also control the tempo. So Clayton Lewis, another hometown boy, he will be absolutely chomping at the bit to try and get out for round one. Tale did say that they were expecting him back for round two, so there might be a discount of a week there for Phoenix fans to see him early doors. Uh, the other area we haven't touched on yet is uh, your area, of course, of expertise. Um, 
which is the Ollie Sale role, uh, the goalkeeping side of it. Have we got bases covered here this season? I think we have. I think we've got the immediate solution for the Wellington Phoenix side to do well. Um, Ollie, I think, is a little bit disappointed. There was obviously talk about a move um, that didn't eventuate in the off-season. I think the uh, the All-Whites performances against Peru and against Costa Rica, they didn't necessarily um, sell uh, his move for him, um, but that is something that happens in football, and he's got to move on. So um, by all indications, he's done that. He's really focused on helping lead this Wellington Phoenix team, particularly in the absence of Alex Rufa. Um, and if you look underneath him, Alex Paulson is the next cab off the rank. He's part of the next generation of goalkeepers coming through. And what we saw in the under-20s is that there's a number of them. So he's been picked. He's on the bench. He's going to be given the opportunity. But the likes of Henry Gray are there. Um, the likes of Keith Sims, who's over in Sweden as well. They are also there pushing through not only this Wellington Phoenix um, side, but also in terms of what we can expect for the All-Whites generally. So I think we're more than covered there. It is a real strength of New Zealand football at the moment, their goalkeeping sucks. I know you're about uh, one minute away from a very important Friday morning appointment, uh, Jacob Spoonley, but uh, <laughs> in, that, in that minute, can you tell us uh, um, Liverpool's chances against Arsenal uh, away this weekend, oh, in fact, God. Monday morning at 4.30? Tell us about that. <laughs> Smitty, there's no promises of this Liverpool team at the moment. They score three and then they can see three against Brighton. I think the Arsenal team for me, um, outside of this juggernaut that is Man City, they are the informed side in the competition. So I think we're going into this uh, endeavour, this encounter between Liverpool and Arsenal where both teams are looking at each other at eye level. Um, So I am looking forward to this one, mate. It should be a fantastic game. Liverpool have Nunez coming back. They've got um, Thiago in the midfield. Henderson looks incredibly annoyed that he was taken off in the Champions League. So I think this is going to be an absolute bout. Par four or par five the first? Um, I'm not sure. I'm just getting phone calls at the moment um, asking where I am. So I'm looking at three different tee boxes and I'm going to have to uh, gamble as to which one I need to go to, Smitty. So I might uh, dip away, but thank you very much for having me, mate. I really do appreciate and love talking to you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll catch up with you um, perhaps uh, more regularly too, Jacob, now that the season's underway proper. Cheers, mate. Play well. Thank you. Not a problem. Thanks, guys. Have a good morning. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Jacob Spoonley there with us. Guess what he's about to do. Um, and we'll be back very shortly uh, with the panel this morning. Uh, and I'm, I always look forward, I don't know for some reason why, I always look forward to talking about Taranaki rugby with Kimberly Downs, but we'll certainly we'll touch on that. She won't dwell on it, I'm sure. Uh, but we'll touch on it. Uh, and Mark Hinton, of course, as well, with such a massive weekend of rugby, we could not do without the doyen, Mark Hinton. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Hugely experienced panel this morning with uh, Kimberly Downs and uh, Mark Hinton on board for us, which is absolutely fantastic and a massive weekend of uh, rugby. And for women's sport as well. So, Kimberly, we'll give you uh, the tee off this morning. Uh, what an occasion it promises to be at Eden Park tomorrow. Um, I, I just, it's, it's been so long in the offing, I, I, I find it quite hard to believe it's here, but it is. It is indeed. Good morning, Smithy. Morning, Mark. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? And it's funny because I feel like it's been. Maybe it's the extra year. It's been a bit of a slow build, but all of a sudden this week as the days have gone by, the excitement, 
around it has just ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. And I was lucky enough actually to go up to Whangarei yesterday where there was an, a, bit of, a bit of an event on for all of the teams who were playing there on the Sunday. Um, and the level of excitement amongst that group was just, you, you couldn't help but be feel like you were infected by it, really. Um, and the the fact that this opening day at Eden Park tomorrow is also looking like it's going to sell out, that is magnificent. I actually stumbled across a bit of a stat yesterday, which blew my mind, to be honest, uh, which is that with tomorrow's match, or matches, I should say, at, at Eden Park being sold out, that's more than 40,000 spectators. So they're a little bit vague on exactly what capacity is because they've got seats blocked out and things like that for stage set-ups and things. But call it 45,000, if you will, which is basically the same number of people who actually attended the entire World Cup in 2017. So um, pat yourselves on the back if you're going along because I just think that that is a phenomenal turnout and these women deserve that and I hope it continues through the tournament. Hopefully things get off to a bang tomorrow uh, and we can see a huge amount of support and behind the black ferns as the week progress because I am just pumped for this. You can tell as well uh, that the ferns are pumped for this, that all of the teams are, that the coaching staff are and that everyone around it is. So yeah, let's go. I'm ready. Okay, well, I'll come back to you in a minute about that Whangarei um, atmosphere, uh, Kimberly. but I'd like to bring Mark in here as well. Mark, you write about so much rugby on and off the field um, all over the world. Uh, what about you, your views uh, leading into this? Oh, it's absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Look, you think back to 2011, uh, Smithy, uh, just the way it, um, it captured the country. And if, if this tournament, which we've all waited so long for, could do something similar... It's going to be very, very special, isn't it? And, um, and, and uh, you know, we talk about the pressure that's on the Black Ferns, but you turn that around, the privilege that the Black Ferns have to play a World Cup on home soil, um, to contend for a title, to, you know, to excite their own fans. It, it, it's just massive. And, 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 you know, all the things Kimberley's touched on makes me think about the legacy this event will leave. And I think that's one of the most important things for when you host a tournament like the World Cup, what difference does it make in your country and the influence uh, the Black Ferns and, and all the teams, uh, Smithy, can have on young females, young women, yeah, girls watching this event, getting excited by it, uh, getting excited by the game of rugby, getting excited by how women can play the game of rugby. All of these things, um, Smithy, will be the legacy of this event and that's really what makes me so excited. And I expect... You know, to see some great rugby as well. Look, the days of, of you know, whatever, thinking that the women's game is second rate, it is a, fa- a, a long gone. It is a fantastic um, spectacle in its own right. They play the game, you know, their own way, um, just beautifully. And, I, you know, I think we'll see some great rugby over coming weeks. So, for me, Smithy, it's all about the legacy, the impact this event makes on, on, on women in this country. Can I stay with you there, uh, both? Uh, in fact, I'll come to you, Kimberly, on that, the, the word legacy. Uh, and I think what you've, that's a very good point you've just made about um, uh, young girls and young women maybe wanting to get involved in, in, in the game in some capacity. But because of the prices, Kimberly, uh, because of the fact that they've basically said to the whole family, you can afford to come here uh, to this event, there's got to be a lot of young boys going to this, these games as well. And that might have a runoff effect on junior boys rugby in this country as well without even knowing it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I completely agree with what Mark's saying in terms of the inspiration 
to young girls and young women and picking up the sport and seeing it as a viable pathway and having heroes that look like them, that they can look up to, that they can be like. But I also do think it is broader than that, like you say, in the chance to inspire young boys, in the chance to engage men. And like, it's just, it's an opportunity that you get once in a generation, really. Uh, and at the same time, it's come at this perfect time as well where it is riding this huge wave of support around the world when it comes to women's sport. You know, we saw those incredible scenes at Wembley uh, when England won the Euros earlier this year as a prime example. They're actually playing a friendly England uh, football match against the USA that sold out the same weekend as this World Cup is on. So you're looking now at having these back-to-back high-level women's sporting matches, all of which are selling out. That is something that would be unheard of five years ago. So I think Mark's absolutely right in talking about legacy. I think this is a huge opportunity with boys, with girls, with men, with women internationally to promote the game and say, look at, like, look at these athletes, because they are phenomenal athletes who do play the game in their own way, when, which, is, which is a very watchable, great spectator um, product. And so, yeah, there's, there's an opportunity far beyond women and girls here. Hopefully they make the most of it. I do suspect uh, in hindsight that they will look back at this and go, oh, maybe we uh, should have had a few more games further around the country. But at the moment, I'm not going to get into that uh, because I think this is a moment that we should just be excited and celebrating what is to come. Well, it is what it is, Kimberly. It is what it is, and it is um, the fact that uh, Whangarei becomes a very, very important component in this World Cup. Uh, and you were there yesterday. Just tell us about the vibe, because all the focus has been, to be fair, on Eden Park tomorrow. But on Sunday, you've got three games at, at Whangarei, which are equally important uh, to this, uh, uh, you know, to to the the global aspect of this whole tournament. So tell us about the vibe you expect around Whangarei, because the onus is on them here. Yeah, very much so. And from the sounds of it, ticket sales are going pretty well there as well. Certainly from the teams, the sense of excitement is palpable. You know, I was talking to one of the American players yesterday and she was just saying, you know, she was there in Belfast in 2017 and there was nothing like this. So this was basically, it was a promotional event, really. You know, the Prime Minister was there. Uh, a couple of head honchos from World Rugby were there. They were learning how to make and use toys. So it was, it was a big promotional event. And she was saying, you just wouldn't have had this in 2017. There was no promotional event. There was no opening. There was no welcome. And so the speed at which change has happened, I think, for these teams and for those who know what it has been like previously has been pretty remarkable and I think at one stage she even used the word you know it's it's actually overwhelming to feel like we're being treated in this way and supported and another one of the players one of the Scottish players um, was saying you know they're walking down the streets where they're staying and people are stopping them and talking about the game and there's there's a real sense of that buzz up there and the teams up there feel like they're getting support from the local community, which is really great to see. So fingers crossed, like you say, the Spangarei component really works for them because it is important that this is a tournament that's staged 
beyond Auckland, even if it's only, you know, a couple of hours north mm-hmm. up the road. And they've had these facilities developed and things as part of it. And so, yeah, fingers crossed the locals can really get in behind and support them. They also know some of these teams from that Pac-4 series earlier in the year. The US played up there, things like that. So I think there's a certain level of, of familiarity and a bit of a relationship that's developed between the community and these players. So that should help as well. We'll take a short uh, news break uh, in a moment, and when I come back, Mark Hinton, uh, there's an air of romance uh, about this um, Rugby World Cup, and it, it comes from um, three pretty old stooges, actually, and uh, I'll ask you about that very shortly. Um, but in the meantime, here's Araha with the latest. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. At uh, 10.31 with Kimberly Downs and uh, Mark Hinton uh, staying on the Rugby Women's World Cup and we make no apology for that because it is history in the making and I'm sure back in 2011, um, Mark Hinton, when uh, three gentlemen by the name of Sir Graham Henry, Wayne Smith and Mike Cron walked away from Eden Park with the William Webb Ellis Trophy in their keeping, they didn't believe for one second they'd be back 11 years later uh, trying to win the women's version. Yeah, there's a wonderful synergy, isn't there, with with um, those three men, and particularly the you know the lead roles that Wayne Smith and Graham Henry, who were who were really the uh, you know two of the top three really uh, masterminds of that 2011 triumph. Um, so look, um, it's a wonderful story. Uh, it speaks a lot to the longevity of those gentlemen. Wayne Smith 65, Graham Henry 76, and here we have. And still making an impact on the New Zealand game and in another sphere in the women's side of the equation. Quite remarkable. Um, speaks to the class of both those gentlemen. Can they make a difference? Look, they will. They'll, they'll bring a settling um, um, influence on the players. They'll bring a, a perspective. They've been through this. The, you know, maybe even more pressure back then on the Blacks because remember they hadn't won a World Cup in 24 years. The women, of course, the Black Ferns have won five of seven. So, um, that have been held. So, so they will bring plenty to the table, but at the end of the day, they don't run out on the field, Smithy. Uh, old coaches and up in the stands, uh, it's their players. Their players have to deal with that anxiety, with that pressure, that excitement, and all those sort of things. So they'll do what they can through the week, and it's, it, it comes down to the Black Ferns coping, I guess, with that, um, with those extra uh, factors that come into hosting a World Cup in your own country. But I'm sure that what Smith and Henry with their experience, and Mike Cron, who who will no doubt uh, wield a major influence among the forwards, um, I have, I have no doubt what they'll do is 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 they'll look to turn that they'll you know they'll look to turn pressure into privilege uh, for the players. Ride the emotion, ride the wave of success. Don't feel pressure. Uh, you know, walk towards the walk towards it. all those sort of things we hear a lot from the All Blacks. I'm sure they'll bring to the table. So <laughs> massively interesting, isn't it? Just another great story thread for an event that's really going to present a lot over the coming weeks. And, you know, we shouldn't forget the Black Ferns, unlike the All Blacks, are not raging favourites. To win this title, they're actually probably, if we're honest, third favourites for this event. So in many ways, Smithy and Kim, they've got nothing to lose. Go for it, girls, because, you know, England and France, as we know, come with all the, all the expectation and all the favouritism.
Well, speaking of expectation, uh, Mark Hinton, uh, the Breakers. The Breakers, Spark Arena against the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Of course, the Jack Jumpers had a season from hell last year when it turned, and I mean hell in a good way here. I mean, uh, coming into the competition, and they're beaten in the, in the final by the Sydney Kings. Uh, tell us about what you expect uh, in terms of atmosphere and outcome tonight. Look, there's a lot going on, so I'm not sure Spark's going to be as full as it um perhaps might have been in another window. You know, there's so many with the World Cup opening on Saturday and uh, the Silver Ferns matches coming up and there's a lot going on, the, the NPC quarterfinals, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not quite sure Spark's going to be full to the brim. I, I hope there's a big World Cup crowd tonight. Look, the Breakers deserve it. They've, wait, they've waited 489 days for a home game in the NBL. Uh, much like, you know, their the, the mates in the other codes, the Phoenix and the Warriors, this has been a long time coming, and um, look, they need to ride this, you know, this, I guess, the new norm, which is nor- normality, Smithy, having home games, being able to sleep in your own bed, being able to prepare for a, for a match, but having fans actually cheering for you, something the Breakers haven't experienced. So I expect you to be hugely emotional tonight. I think um, especially the players and the Breakers and the coaches that went through last year permanently on the road living in those... Uh, uh, shrinking four walls of their hotel rooms. Um, I expect uh, you know them to be you know to really ride the occasion, and, and, and hopefully it's, it's special. Hopefully the the fans that are there make a lot of noise and welcome the breakers back to New Zealand because um, you know it's been a long time coming. They've had two years more or less exclusively playing on the road in Australia. So um, um, and, and the results haven't been great. So let's hope um, and let's you know let's hope that. Um, the normality of home games, the advantage of home games, um, the toughness of the teams having to come and play at Spark can turn things around for the Breakers. And, and the fact they do it against the Jack Jumpers team uh, that made the final in their very first year in this league, I think is going to be quite fitting. They're a team that uh, is plucky, plays hard, um, does all the things that the Breakers are going to need to do, Smithy, to, to prevail in this league, which is now very, very talented. Um, I don't know if you picked up on, but one of the Australian NBL teams is beating this week. The Adelaide 36ers beat the Phoenix Suns. That says where this league's at. So fans should be excited about the Breakers playing at home, and I hope they are. I hope they are as well. And uh, throughout the season, those numbers will increase. There's no doubt about that, uh, Mark. But you're right, there is plenty on. And Kimberley, that includes the uh, NPC quarterfinals. Um, I'm not quite sure. What are you and Neil Barnes doing tomorrow? Sorry, what? What's the NPC? I'm not sure I've heard of that. Can you explain yes. that one to me? Is that a kind of... What, what, yes, I, yes I can, actually. What sort of competition? No, I, no, no, it's no, I, no, no. I, I can uh, explain what it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a competition between all the best provinces in the country, uh, which, was go, which was going pretty well the year before until a certain coach said, we don't want it this format anymore. And the whole of the rugby union, because of Taranaki, said, OK, uh, what Taranaki want, Taranaki can get. But when it comes to the party, they're not even going to blow it any candles, Kimberly. So give us a review. <laughs> oh, look, I think we can move on from that, though, can't we? That's in the past. It's in the past, Smitty. We don't need to dwell too much there. Uh, we can look forward to the future. I will be completely honest with you, though. When you look forward to this weekend, given how much is on, the NPC has fallen off the radar quite a bit for me. Um, <laughs> I know, it sounds like a lot of uh, regional bias when I say that, doesn't it? But with the Black Ferns coming up with the Tri-Series down in Christchurch and with Bathurst as well, which is actually um, one of my secretly 
favourite sporting events. I've got so much uh, going on that I haven't paid it too much attention, but it is getting okay. to the kind of pointy end of the season. So I am very excited for those teams and for the te- uh, for the fans of those teams who are involved. Your good self among them, of course, Smithy. But what I'm also really excited for is next season and the bounce back, perhaps, from the teams who have copped a lot of heat uh, such as, for example, Taranaki from fans around the country. And so, you know, that will be a great storyline next season. It will be. Um, uh, just before we let you go, Kimberly, um, you're taking your show on the road again tonight, I hear? We are indeed. Uh, Andy's Burgers and Bar at Sky City tonight for the drive show. Myself and Stephen Donald. So if you're around, do get along. Should be a good time. I've done a, a bit of a refurb of the joint and a reopening and it's looking spectacular so Smithy, surely you'd make the trip up to come and see us yeah i i think you're venturing to that casino just uh, for a woman that's about to be married i think you're venturing to that casino just a little bit too often for my liking but having said that having having said that kimberly thank you very, we've got to move i've got to move across to mark hinton because uh, mark hinton's going to give me his his selections on a competition you don't care enough about anymore and that is the uh, of course the npc quarterfinals, Mark Hinton. I'm going to give you the fixtures and give us a, a quick resume. North Harbour, Auckland? Yeah, I've got Auckland doing this one, Smithy, although, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to like North Harbour, mostly around uh, um, their excitement factor and that ma- magnificent back three. Um, but I think Auckland with the Kiriuani and um, Petty Tuipaluto back in the pack might just be able to squeeze them enough up front to edge a very close victory. Okay, uh, Wellington and Hawke's Bay. That's a cracking encounter, one close to your heart and another of the kind of almost derby type into, into um, you know, super region kind of matches. Uh, ship will be a lot on it. Um, irrepressible Wellington. Seven straight victories they've had and, of course, they won the shield off Hawke's Bay. So I've got to go with former momentum, Smithy. I know you'll, you'll be hopeful, your uh, Hawke's Bay lads, but um, I just think... Wellington have got something about them at the moment and they're a bit of an attacking machine as well. So I've got Wellington to win that one, maybe by double digits. Yeah. And Canterbury comfortably over Northland? Yeah, yeah. Too good there. It's been a great season for Northland, hasn't it? Fantastic to see a a team from the regions make a statement, get into the business end. But I just think Canterbury, finals time, they know the way home blind title. Okay, so and the final one is uh, on Sunday, and this will be an absolute cracker, the Chiefs battle between Waikato, of course, and the New Bay. Yeah, yeah. Um, tough one to call this one, but I go with Waikato. I just think um, um, when they're at their best, they are very good, and you have to think they'll be somewhere near that. Um, there's a All Blacks um, uh, uh, squad being named Sunday, so all of these guys may have something to play for, or, or it's... Um, or may not, um, or may have something to celebrate. Let's see. Let's see if anyone's been able to play their way in to the All Blacks, Smithy, out of provincial rugby, which is almost, you know, a thing of the past. So be, mm. that'll be very interesting. But, uh, yeah, I got Waikato to nudge that one, but it should be another close one. OK, uh, Kimberly Downs, Mark Hinton have been our panel this morning. Fantastic. Good fun, folks. It is a great weekend of sport, and uh, I know you'll be casting both of your sets of eyes Uh, fully over the lot if you possibly can cheers have a great weekend and we'll have another panel monday morning uh, reviewing what we're seeing over the weekend i'm sure um about the same time this is mornings with ian smith on scnz
Yep, and it's 10.47. Slightly earlier today, we're going to go and have a chat to uh, Pip Morris. Pip's got uh, another very important appointment, more so than us. But, uh, Pip, what we have got uh, this weekend is uh, some greyhounds in Vercargill and Palmerston North today, Monaco on Sunday, and uh, just a, a plethora of sport to bet on. Uh, TAB will be frantically busy this weekend. Good morning, Smitty. And they certainly are. There's just so much on, as you allude to. And, of course, group run racing, other matamata. We've got the enhanced bonus back. So paying back to the fifth runner now. If you run second, third, fourth or fifth, you'll get paid back up to $50 in your, as bonus bet in your account on the first bet place. As far as Bathurst, we've got that to look forward to as well. I can tell you Shane Van Gisbrin, Gus Tander, top two, and Andre Heimengarde, Dale Wood, top ten at $6. has been really, really popular and Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander with 55% of the money staked in the outright, uh, in the outright market as well has been really popular. And a few bits coming in for Richie Stanway and Greg Murphy, the outright winner, opened at $31, now down to $21. And can tell you, Sunday at Monaco too, some of the, I really like a greyhound there in the eighth on the program for Peter Ferguson, Majestic Legend. He'll step out for the first time over the two-turn track. I think he'll be winning, so if anyone wants a little fill-up on the Sunday, a really nice option there. And check out all of the bonus back options available on tab.co.nz, especially around the Rugby Women's World Cup. Good luck to the Black Ferns, and they've been well best back as well this weekend. Good on you, Pip. You have a, a terrific weekend. I know that you'll be frantically busy as well, so um, have a great uh, time of it. It is uh, 10.49. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll have uh, Louis Herman Watt, and I, I can tell you something else. Um, rugby league fans, Logan Swinkles has got a bit of a scoop. He'll let you know before 11 o'clock as well. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. And... Louis, Louis Herman Waters with us this morning as we look at a bumper weekend of racing beginning at Timaru today. Louis, Matamata Hawara tomorrow, including the Hawks Bay Guineas in the Arrowfield. And of Caulfield, of course, the Might and Power featuring Zark, featuring Zaki. I'm Thunderstruck, Animo, and Alligator Blood. My God. Yes, if there's not enough on it elsewhere. Yeah, right. Okay, how are we going to do this? Maybe let's, let's do one runner from each meet. And, um, okay. Okay, cool. so let's start. Timaru today, race four, 205, Arisa North Island form, good form, Paranui Bay type form, ran in a really nice race at Wanganui and won not long ago, then came back and ran in a really nice race at Topor and just went down a nose over 1,100 metres, up to 1,200 today, 210 into $1.80, but TAB are offering you a boosted $2. Even money, I think it's fair. Theoretically, should have a couple of lengths on this field. So that's race four okay. at Timaru. All right. Tomorrow, what do you want to do? Howard or Matamata first? Howard. Well, Dave Ellis came on the show this morning and he's got 36 runners technically tomorrow across two meets. Let that one soak in. And he reckoned that his best of the weekend probably is prismatic. He said it's the best maidener in the country at the moment. Race one, $2.10. I've multied. Oh, I don't know what to say. I've multied Arisa Ris into uh, Prismatic just for a little quickie, just to get us going, get the ball rolling before twelve thirty tomorrow. Hopefully, we're flying. So there's one for you. Actually, another one more horse. One more horse. Al Sharrick reckons Darcy Labella might be his best of the week, and that's what Kempi said anyway in the Taranaki oh. Breeders. So, um, matter matter, right? Matter matter. 
and pear trees. If the track is soft, which it is at the moment, and the weather is fine, so it might even come back to a six or a five, theoretically, she should be able to replicate that form we've seen at Tarapa over the last couple of group ones there. And theoretically, and I think La Creek's a really, really good mare on the up who can win some big, nice races one day, but theoretically, Imperatrice should be too good. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do agree, particularly sneaking back into the race. Yeah, it's great signs, isn't it? They're taking their opportunity. Randwick. Wow, there's a Kiwi over there. Uh, sharp and smart. Rogie's got a Kiwi over there in the gloaming stakes. Um, so I think this wants to attack the spring stakes over the 2,000 metres, the group one. The only issue is Rogie kicked it off at uh, Ruakaka, I assume, du- ducking and dodging the wet tracks. I don't know if you've seen the, the forecast for Bathurst or Randwick. It's sickening. How can one place cop so much rain? I, I can't. I mean, mm. I'm no, I'm no Dan Corbett or you know, um, Jim Hickey. Thank but. God. Thank God. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do with Sharp as well. And then Caulfield, 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 Caulfield. Wow. Animo Zaki. I know it's Caulfield Guineas Day, but Animo versus Zaki. Does Animo cement his spot as Cox Plate favourite? Probably. Yep. Probably, I agree. Anyway, probably, big weekend, prob- Smithy. Probably does. Try not to yeah, lose too much. Thank you, Louis. Yeah, thanks, uh, Louis. You might want to hear this from uh, Logan Swinkles. He's bit of, got a bit of a scoop regarding rugby league, Logan. I, I don't know if it's a bit of a scoop. Uh, anyone who's kind of been uh, following rugby league would know this. This broke last night, but the hearts of uh, Dolphins fans will be breaking because Karen Munster is going to be staying with the Melbourne Storm and he's taking a pay cut to go with it. Uh, apparently, there were offers of potentially $1.5 million per season on the table for Cam Munster to go to the Dolphins, but instead he's staying and taking a pay cut as well, one mil per season, up until he's 33. Wow, okay, okay. Hey, Louis, just while you're there, I can see you're still there. Yeah, yeah I was um, soaking what, that in. What, 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 what will you be watching uh, this weekend? Racing? What do you, what do you mean? Well, so much other sport. Is this your... Right? Is this what, your another channel other than 62, 63? Come... Come closer to the radio so no one hears this, Louis. But you're talking to a, you know, as we said in the preview to the show, this is the cryptic crossword. The one that you have to work on in the morning is the colouring inversion. And it was a serious answer. A serious answer here, mate. Oh, well, you know, it has to be Bangladesh, Pakistan. <laughs> in the snow. <laughs> don't, don't, they, don't, don't it's like um I heard that I heard that they you know how cricket boots have those little studs I heard they're actually wearing ice skates really I'll tell you what they'll all I mean they're, they're, they're fairly swelt characters I think it's fair to say the Pakistanis and the Bangladeshis spelt but but they'll have that many jerseys on mate they'll look like me <laughs> walking out to bat I can promise you that and and, and that's big so yeah hey, have a great weekend mate Honestly, uh, we'll be back talking Bathurst after the break with David Long. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 11.03 here in New Zealand and uh, on the other side of the ditch, of course, it is slightly earlier, but they don't even care about the time where uh, David Long is. It's uh, Mount Panorama, of course. It's calling all motorsport fans this weekend. It's appointment viewing, the kind you uh, clear your Sunday for once a year 
every year. But this year it's uh, extra special for Kiwi fans with the return of Greg Murphy after eight years away, plus Shane Van Gisbergen sits comfortably at the top of the Supercars Drivers' Championship. So on the line is uh, David Long with us this morning. He spoke uh, earlier with us on a different subject, but David, uh, you're where you want to be at the moment, uh, Bathurst. Uh, first of all, um, what's the vibe like, and what's the forecast like as well? We're hearing uh, from the racing side of things, it's not too good in that area. Yeah, hi there, Ian. Um, yeah, on the weather side of it, it's not. It's, it's okay at the moment. It's dry, uh, but there is more rain predicted uh, this afternoon, and that could go through right through to tomorrow. So. They've put in some sort of emergency measures already for the spectators here. They've closed a lot of car parks and asking people to park in town and they'll pick them up from buses to bring them in here because, you know, with, um, you know, hundreds of thousand people, wherever it comes to this, it can be pretty, you know, very muddy and very boggy um, uh, with the weather. And I feel sorry for those already camping up uh, camping up the mountain for a few days already, um, and, uh, which, which should make, I think, it's pretty sort of, um, you know, tough for those here, but I think for the... Everybody watching back in New Zealand, they're going to see a pretty spectacular and action field race on Sunday with um, uh, expected to sort of um, rain in the morning and that would sort of dry off during the day. So um, when them co-drivers are out there and not so experienced in the cars, I think there could be quite a few thrills and spills during the race. Oh, David, it's a sentimental weekend uh, for a lot of motor racing fans because you're either Ford or you're, or you're Holden. Uh, uh, that's been the history over the years but uh, this year of course is Holden's last uh, and I just wonder uh, what the feeling is a, a, about Holden and, and where they think it's going to be next year without them Yeah it's interesting Greg Gartander who was the fastest yesterday in uh, practice he got asked about it you know is, is it emotional and then he said well you know we farewelled Holden a couple of years ago when they decided they were pulling out so it's it's sad and it's at the end but uh, and he sort of feels it'd be, it'd be Sadder, uh, the last race of the season in Adelaide, uh, which will be the last time that, that these Holdens are on the track and that uh, Holdens were built in Adelaide. So there's that connection there. So it, it is the end of an era with the end of the Ford v Holden battle. But, um, you know, last couple of days, we've with Gen, next year, the Gen 3 cars are coming in. Um, and we had a presentation for the media yesterday with the new Mustang and Chevy, who are coming in next year. They had their presentation this morning. So I think it's just a trans, transferring you either Ford or Holden to Ford or Chevrolet next year so um, that, that rivalry I guess will still be there There's been a lot of buzz about the return of uh, Greg Murphy after such a long absence from the race and um, Murph didn't waste any time getting a headline or two because uh, he wiped the second off his very famous 2003 time with a 205.871 seconds um, incredible comeback for Murph Yeah it is Yeah, it, it was fantastic to see him and he's been in a great mood all weekend all week, sorry. Um, he uh, he's really loving the experience. So, you know, I did sort of think you know he might get in the car, do a few laps, and think, oh no, this is not for me anymore. But uh, you know, he's he's enjoyed it, and he was saying yesterday he's he, it helped that he drove in in dry conditions yesterday, so he was able to sort of push the car. And as he does each lap, he gets more confident in it and knows where he doesn't have to brake so much. He can he can keep his foot on the accelerator for slightly longer. So he's building up speed, and he's fortunately this. Um, the first session today is another co-driver only session, which should come before the rain starts falling. So again, he he'll be able to get out there and and gradually increase his speed over there. Um, he's you know he's uh, he's pretty realistic about his chances this weekend. You know he's coming in um, you know after first something in 2014. Um, Richie Stanaway hasn't been here since 2019 or, or done any sort of motorsport 
and they're driving a, a spare car for Airbus. So, you know, things are sort of stacked against them. But, you know, as everybody who's watched Bathurst knows, you know, anything can be thrown up in the, in the great race. You know, um, Chaz Mostert won it from last on the grid, you know, a few years ago. So it's all, it all comes down to that last hour at Bathurst. And if you're on the lead back then, you're, you're in with a fight. So I certainly wouldn't rule them off. And I think... Um, you know, um, a mid-place finish might be sort of more realistic for them, but there's no, you can definitely could see them finish top five if, if the cards fall in their favour. If the cards fall in their favour, David, often uh, when you refer to motor racing, refers to um, the way that the car stacks up and how it performs as such. Uh, you mentioned before that uh, Garth Tander uh, fastest uh, so far as such. Uh, alongside Shane Van Gisbergen, who is out and away the best uh, supercar driver this year, are they the hot favourites now? I think so, without a doubt. Yeah, the, the fact that they've come here and they've already shown pace. Uh, Shane had a kick um, to wall up the mountain yesterday, but it was very, very light damage. Um, and he's made the transition quickly from a rally car to uh, to a supercar, and you know, he goes around the corner straight rather than um, at an angle now. So. He, He's quickly got back, got back to driving that. But you have to be the favourites, given the way Shane's driving, the way that car's been dominant all the year, and that he's got a very good co-driver. Uh, I think the other team, um, if you sort of look at the, you know, the co-driver and the driver, the team that could be uh, could do well this week, this weekend is um, Chad Moster, who's in with Fabian Coulthard. And um, Fabian, I think he's 40 now, but he's still he's still got pace. He was unlucky that he lost his seat, his full-time seat this year um, when the, with his team. He, he was with sold uh, their cut, their outfit to another uh, franchise or license, um, and he's been preparing all year really for this one race. He's been driving driving in other categories to make sure he keeps sharp for it. And you know, uh, Chad is a very you know one of the top three or four drivers. Fabian, well, you have to so you have to class him as one of the top three or four drivers. And they are in a car that's fast, so um, you know it wouldn't surprise me as well if if they're definitely up on the podium as well by the, on Sunday night. It uh, promises to be a bit of a, a Holden Swan song as such, but um, who's Ford's best chance of, of upsetting the apple cart here? Would that be uh, perhaps the Dick Johnson Racing Team comprising of uh, Anton de Pasquale and Tony Alberto? Would they be their best, perhaps, candidate to do that? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say them, or I'd say Will Davison, um, who's in the other um, uh, DJR car. Um, Will was very impressive, uh, at the start of um, Puka Curry Round the other week. Um, he's he's time, teamed up with his brother, um, who's not as um, not as quick, I'd say, as, as Will. Um, so whether they've got that strong combination. But, the, you, know, the, um, yeah, you know, as we saw from the days when, when Scott McLaughlin was driving um, that car, that, you know, they're a very quick outfit and they're a very professional run team. So I'd say uh, Pasquale and the Will Davison Forwards, they will be the, the strongest um, opposition to the Holdens, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I've just got a text in uh, while we're talking, David, uh, from Jerry, and I thank Jerry very much for this because he's pointed something out that I wasn't uh, aware of. It's the 30th anniversary, uh, of course, of the late, great Denny Holm because he passed away on the circuit in this, this very race of a heart attack back in 1992. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's right, yeah. I didn't... Um I didn't, didn't occur to me to do that. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I might, um, uh, I might see and have a have a chat with Matt about that. See, uh, see his thoughts and memories of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, it has. Uh, I mean, every sporting event um, with any history has uh, all sorts of uh, recollections and uh, recollections and things. But 
that's an interesting point I hadn't even thought of. There is, uh, of course, another um, Kiwi, other Kiwis in the race, including a Kiwi rookie by the name of Jackson Evans, who isn't exactly a household name, but uh, he's uh, he's lining up uh, for the Brad Jones Racing Team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story with Jackson. His grandparents were um, um, Rob and Wendy Lester, who um, were behind the Manfield, the Manfield Park track. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, a great track that we've got to, we've got in New Zealand. And so he comes from that, um, you know, motorsport royalty. He moved to Australia when he's pretty young. Been driving for Porsche, um, the Carrera Cup here. Then he went to do the similar in in Australia. Um, sorry, in in Europe as well as some as some um, endurance racing. Um, he's a really talented young driver. He's 26 um, with a bright future ahead of him. He's, you know, he's he said to me when I spoke to him a couple of days ago that he is, you know, he thinks he might eventually for a month to move down here. Um, and have a go at supercars full time. Um, you know, it could be interesting to see how he goes this weekend. Another interesting New Zealand driver is Matt Payne, who's um, who's um, Todd Hazelwood's co-driver, um, and he's going to be a full-time driver next season um, for the uh, Airbus team. He's replacing Hazelwood, who's retiring. So uh, he's only 19, and he, you know he'll be um, you know exciting young New Zealand talent. I think we're going to see supercars over the next you know, five, ten years or whatever. A um, lot, lot of high praise about his his, um, his ability. I and mean, this will be his first first time uh, in a supercar. He's been doing the Super 2 Series this year, which is the, the, the category below it where you sort of earn your stripes. Um, so it'll be definitely interesting to see how he goes on this weekend. Because, you know, he could be, uh, without putting too much on him, you know, he could be our, our next Scott McLaughlin for New Zealand. It's had a bit of a hiatus, uh, like everything, David, with uh, COVID, etc. Do you sense now, um, just a, a day before the weekend begins, um, that the magic has returned quickly? Yeah, I think I, I think so. Yeah, I got here on sort of lunchtime on Tuesday, and already there was tents and camper vans, you know, all over the place up the mountain and, and down the bottom where where the pits are. There's, there's a huge buzz. I think maybe people are slightly, um, you know, put off a bit by the weather the forecast for the weekend but the place has really come alive you know after the, especially after the last couple of years where well two years ago there was nobody allowed to come and to watch um watch Bathurst and then there was a very um small crowd uh, last time so but you know this is the first Bathurst that's sort of back properly after the COVID and um you know I think motorsport um, people in Australia and I've seen a lot of New Zealanders over here as well um I guess they come for the for the Murph factor and the other New Zealanders in the race, um, I think it's you know it's, it's Bathurst is back really, yeah. So uh, from from your point of view and from uh, the general media's point of view, David, uh, how do they provide for you? I mean, do, where are, where are, uh, where's your preferred spot for watching it? Do you you have to hang around the pits or whatever? What what, what is it uh, in terms of the media? How, how they look after you? Yeah, the media's. Um, um, area is just sort of a uh, long pitch straight just towards the back of where the, the cars line up for the, on the grid for the start um it's a bit too tough to go and um up the mountain and to to go and watch some stuff on there and to come back because you have to, if something happens you need to sort of get quickly um to your keyboard i sometimes go around the first corner or the last um for a bit to watch, a, watch some of the action during the day because um uh you know it's such a long race um, you've got time to sort of take it in and not sort of, um, you know, be stuck to your keyboard for all, you know, permanently for the six, seven hours that the race takes. Um, 
So it's nice to come and see him some of it, but you can't you can't really get up the mountain to watch it because it, as I said, it's just it's too far away. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's a great experience. Yeah. So uh, we're, here we are sitting at um, well Friday morning, relatively early your time. But um, what is the program uh, over the next three days now? Yeah, so there's, there's um, another practice session first of all today um, for the co-driver, as I said, and then. Then later on, there's another hour session for the which will be for the main game drivers, and that'll be the session where the, the drivers get their cars set up for qualifying, um, which I think is 6:15 New Zealand time um, today. Um, and then that's just 40 minutes long, and the, so the main game drivers will be here. That and then the top 10 with that will go into tomorrow's shootout. Which um, the shootout's interesting, you know. It's it's really exciting, and everybody sort of gets wrapped up on it. It's pretty meaningless when you think of the in terms of a, a thousand kilometre race where you where you start on the first lap. Um but it doesn't mean it's it's not exciting. It, it's 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 I I did do something that it's actually watched um by more people in Australia than the actual raid itself to shoot out. Um but um yeah that's it and then there's just a quick um practice session on in the morning on Sunday and then then we get into the big race. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. A lot of people very jealous uh, of you, David, I'm sure. So even though there's plenty going on in New Zealand this weekend, uh, a lot of New Zealand eyes, of course, will be on Bathurst. Enjoy the experience. Thanks very much for the interview, and uh, we'll catch up with you again shortly. Thank you. Yeah, no worries, Paul. Thanks. Cheers. Uh, David Long uh, out there who uh, is there on official business, um, but you can hear uh, in his background too, he's a genuine motor racing fan as well and might even be there if uh, he wasn't working. It is 11.17 here on SENZ and we shall be talking greyhounds very shortly. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Cool. 11.22 and every Friday around this time we uh, delve deeper into the greyhound racing side of things. Uh, it's a wonderful industry and we've met some uh, personalities uh, from various age groups and I'm very pleased to say we're going very young today uh, with Rianne Farrell. Now Rianne is a great story. She's the granddaughter of uh, Pukekohe greyhound trainers Jeff and Glenis Farrell. Uh, and New Zealand incidentally folks, you have to be 13 years of age to get your handler's licence. And uh, Rianne applied for hers as soon as she turned 13, and uh, in around about uh, two weeks' time, she will turn 14. So, uh, Rianne, welcome to the show. Fascinating to get to know you. Uh, yeah, hi. Um, hi. And yeah, now, uh, sorry. Tell us, Rianne, <laughs> t- yeah, I was just going to say, tell us, tell us a wee bit about why you've entered it so so young and, and got so keen so young about it. Um, I was practically born into greyhound racing. As, like as you said, my nan and papa have been training dogs for nearly 30 years. And my mum and aunties and now me are, have also been involved with it. And it's just a great experience and you feel so happy when doing it, yeah. Well, I can, you know, all kids love puppies and all kids, you know, uh, I, I just, I can see how you'd be interested in it. But the racing side of it, what got you there? Um, sort of, it's just a great feeling when your dog performs well and it's on the day, it's not our choice, it's their choice on how they're going to perform and when they perform well, it's just a great feel. it's not just a great feeling for me, but it's also for the dogs as well. Obviously, Rianne, you're very heavily involved, you're still at school, so you've got other responsibilities there, but how much time a week would you put into um, the dogs and the greyhound industry? 
Well, it depends when it's raining, but normally when I come back up from the bus, we just live down the road from my nan and papa. So after school, I um, go to nan and papa's and help out with the dogs in the afternoon. But um, yeah, Thursdays, um, I beg my mum and nan to see if I can go. But we've mainly got three or four down in Cambridge, so it's not that big of... um, my name doesn't need that big of a help, but I go every Sunday and it's just, I try to get involved as much as I can. Okay, so uh, tell us about uh, the handling of it as such. Um, for us behind the scenes, of course, uh, we just see them uh, being led to, um, you know, to the starting gates and, and the barriers. And, and then, of course, we see them jump. Um, and then, of course, uh, we see the winners being led back. And, uh, of course, the other four or five dogs in the race you don't see again as such. So, just tell us what a, a day in the, the life of a handler entails. All right. So we get to the track and I'll help my nan and papa take the dogs to the kennel block and they'll be kenneled. And then when it's time for race day, uh, when it's time to be raced, uh, we get them out, put their rugs on, grease or whatever. We bring them out and we stir them up. And at this point, you're sort of thinking, oh, is this dog this dog isn't stirring up like it normally is sometimes if it's going to perform well so you're like oh this might this might go all right and then you're walking out there and you're well, me I'm nervous because you never know what's going to happen and then as soon as you get to around to the boxes and I call the one minute call you're like you know, take the collar and lead off and you're like patting it and you're like talking to it whispering in its ear giving it a magic word and then as soon as they go into the boxes and you just hear the lids open, it's either a yes or no if you're in or not. And then, yeah, it's just great when you're walking the back because they've got a placing or there's one and, yeah. Can, can, can you tell uh, just prior to a race how they're going to go? Can you, can, you, can, you conf- can you reflect their mood? Do you know? Um, it sort of depends, really. It all depends, like... Uh, um, when we get, like, on a race day, when we go down to the shed, the dogs all know that that it's a race day because they don't go on the walkers and anything. And um, when we go down, we're in our clothes, and they can see all the bags that we're carrying down to the car. So they're jumping up and down. And sometimes they might stay completely still, and they'll just stare at you. And, like, that could be maybe, <laughs> like, a sign or something or... Um, yeah, they just act real focused in the mood. Like they're, when you get to the boxes and their heads down looking underneath the little um, bar thing in the, in the boxes and their heads down in there in the focus mode, that sort of might give you a bit of a sign maybe. But who knows really, it's all up to them. So what do you say? What do you say to a greyhound seconds, seconds before the box lids lift? What, what do you whisper? Um anything really mainly get around the track safe but i'll normally say to them i'll whisper in the air i'll be and we'll give them pats i'll be like jump and win jump and win and like once i'll say like when they get when they jump and i'll say like jump and then you get around the corner first and then down the home straight you just power through it and yeah sometimes sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't (laughs) but yeah (laughs) that's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant. I just wondered. So you've really informed me here. Hey, and congratulations too, Rian, because um, you're the winner of our monthly uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand Board Award, and uh, you won that a few months ago, which uh, recognises and celebrates the uh, achievers under the age of 30 in our sport. You're the youngest winner of the award uh, so far. How cool. Yeah, it, it was honestly, I was speechless. I had no words. 
because when I found out, I was asked by um, uh, my man told me to go hand out the ribbons. And then, of course, once I did that, it was filmed on TV, which was also, I was actually like blown away because of that. And then, yeah, I had no words, really. You're a bit of a, a pin-up young lady for the sport because you've been on trackside. Women's Day have done a bit of an article on you as well and your family. So you're fast becoming yeah. pretty well known in the industry. Oh, well, I hope so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I hope that we're... Uh, we just When we did the Women's Day, we sort of just wanted to put out good publicity for the sport. And, yeah. But, but it's important, though, Rianne, because uh, when I watch Greyhound Racing, there are a lot of young people involved in it. Yeah, and it's it's great to see. It's great to see all the up-and-coming dog handlers and um, see what they can progress. And, like, um, a couple, when someone gets their licence and they catch their first winner or a placing, it's just that level of excitement that just, gets you going is like this is what I want to do this is so much fun I really enjoy it and I know that's what happened with me and maybe some of the other people but yeah so Riam when you leave school uh, which won't be for a, you know, a few years time obviously um, are you going to point yourself towards the greyhound racing industry or have you got something else in mind as a, as a vocation and, and do the greyhounds uh, alongside it um, well it depends because my mum would like me to um, get a proper job, but um, it was, it's, it's definitely a hobby that I hope will stay around for um, more time for me to um, continue doing it. But if I do get successful and do get a good job and money, I might just leave it and start training dogs. <laughs> so knows, how old really? do you have to be? How old do you have to be for that? Uh, Eighteen, I'm pretty sure. 18. Do you have a favourite dog or do you just treat them all the same uh, as such? Do you have a fa- uh, any favourites? It's, 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 it's a hard question because um, they all have such a special place in my heart and they all just stand out so much. But a power slick, he's one of my all-time favourites and always will be. He's currently in foster at the moment with Mayhound. And um, when he left, I was so upset. But it's great now because... Um, now he's in foster. Uh, um, his foster um, parent is going is sending me photos and um, videos of him, and it's just such a great thing to see because I know when he when he goes to a home, he'll make someone else so so happy. Well, Rianne, honestly, I could talk to you for ages, but it's it's been fascinating getting to know you. Um, it's great to see that uh, someone so young is doing so well in the industry and uh, is so enthusiastic about it as well. Thanks for your time today. Good luck with uh, school, uh, primarily, of course. Good luck with school and uh, and Uh-oh. with the dogs as well. Thanks. Hey, thanks for talking to us. Okay. All good. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, cheers, Rian. Thank you very much. Uh, lovely young lady, Rian Farrell. There, uh, heavily involved at the tender age of thirteen, nearly fourteen, uh, with her grandparents uh, in the greyhound racing industry. What a, ter- a terrific story that is! It's eleven uh, thirty-two here on SENZ, uh, and it's that time of uh, the day uh, when we invite you to call oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven, and uh, you can win money. Money in the form of 50 buck from the TAB, a $50 
bonus bet voucher from the TAB. Uh, get on the lines now. In the meantime, here's Araha with the news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's the big one. It's what you've all been waiting for. Stumped by Smithy here on SNZ Mornings. Just $50 up for grabs today, Smithy. I know you'd like to get that up potentially for Monday. Massive, massive weekend, of course, of sport. We've all been talking about what we're going to watch this weekend. What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm uh, focused on Hawks Bay and playing Wellington because I've actually got a vested interest in that being there at the time. But um, as soon as I get the opportunity, I'll be uh, tuning into the Women's Rugby World Cup. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Sunday afternoon could be a bit of Bathurst. I've got to say, with our friend Murph uh, involved in that, Mm. I'm certainly going to look at that as well. So... Pretty much as uh, touch into as much as everything I possibly can over the weekend. It's as simple as that. Love it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are clearing the decks for Sunday so they uh, can watch Murph and Bathurst. That's going to be a good one. Uh, but for today, we'll stump Smithy first at the crease, of course. Let's bring in Nick from Wellington. Come in, mate. G'day. Morning, gentlemen. How are we? Hey, Nick, are you the same Nick with the uh, indoor cricket? Yeah, correct. Correct, Smithy. Okay. I was actually ringing in the first place to send you a link for all the, uh, so you can put it on your Facebook or something, show everyone <laughs> how to stream the game. But we'll do, we'll do, we'll do stuff first, eh? Okay, just give us the link just in case we have to cut you off because I might beat you with the first question. So what's the link? <laughs> um, so the Cricket, Australia, the Cricket Australia website will have, uh, will have all, the, all the games um, streamed via YouTube. So... Even uh, even though you're not in Australia, you can still watch it. Okay, folks, uh, that's uh, the uh, Indoor World Cup uh, featuring a very high-powered New Zealand side who must have a, a fair opportunity. So uh, go to the Cricket Australia website and you'll be able to stream those games. Uh, Nick, thank you very much for that. Killed two birds with one stone. And good <laughs> luck. Good luck. Uh, what are the categories for Nick? All right, the categories for you to choose from today, Nick, are tennis, Major League Baseball and Bathurst. Oh, okay. I couldn't care less for racing, so we'll go for we'll go for tennis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good luck. Well, that's a shame because I know Smithy was looking forward to the the best engine noises that you could make. Uh, but <laughs> first, tennis question for you, Nick: Who is the current number one ranked men's player? It would. The Novak. Is it? Novak? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Got to play some tennis first. Uh, if he wants to be world number one, Smithy, over to you. Daniel Medvedev? One of the worst things I have oh, ever seen done on a cricket that. field. He's young. Carlos Alcaraz. Oh, just, oh I can't believe that. It changes. It, honestly, it changes every week. It used to be... One would have it for about two years. Now it changes every week. Move on, Alcaraz. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're a fan of Alcaraz, Smithy. Anyway, uh, over to the second question. 20-year-old Canadian Leila Fernandez has been booked for the ASB Classic next year. She's had a career-high rank of 13, but what is her current ranking? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. These are some tough questions that Brian's put together today. Uh, Smithy, over to you. 
Yeah, well, I, I think for a fact that her ranking would have descended very quickly because she hasn't done a heck of a lot uh, since that uh, wonderful performance in the, in the uh, Slam event. So I think she's probably down closer to 50 than that. So I'm going to say 46. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Very, very close. You were just talking before about how everything chops and changes with tennis at the moment. She was 13, I believe, as recent as August. Uh, as of now, though, she is 38th. 38th, okay. Yeah, I knew she would have gone down the list very quickly. So last question for you, Nick. $50 TAB bonus bet still up for grabs here. Name the tennis player who is credited with the most grand slams of all time. Oh, the woman. What's the name? Is it? Oh, is it Na- Martina Narazilova? <laughs> uh. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, I've got to say, Nick, I've heard a few people have a crack at her name over the years, but you just got the gold medal. I've got to say, that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Martina Navratilova. No, Martina Navratilova. No, but um, I think we. I, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say, Margaret Court. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. The greatest. The greatest. Margaret Court. 24. Next in line there is Serena Williams with 23. But Smithy, that does mean you've stumped Nick. And it goes up to $100 on Monday. Oh, well, that'll give the pundit something to look forward to at 11.30 on Monday morning. Thank you very much, Nick. Have a great weekend. We'll delve into that uh, Cricket Australia website. Thanks for letting us know, mate. No, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Yeah, uh, okay, so there we go. Uh, Yeah, Margaret Court, there's a lot of uh, conjecture over that. Uh, Argument, in fact, from Serena Williams over the quality of it. Um, there's also, um, when you talk about Grand Slams, there's also an argument that you put in doubles as well and mixed doubles as they are genuine slam events. Dave Worsley's probably the kind of guy you should probably go to in, in terms of New Zealand and just clarify who it is. But in terms of uh, singles Grand Slams, absolutely no doubt about it. Margaret Court from Australia, a very controversial woman in her own right. It is 11.40. Uh, speaking of controversy, we won't get any of that out of our next guest. That'll be Michael Guerin on talking harness racing. Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it's 11.45, which means uh, on a Friday we always talk uh, to uh, either Greg O'Connor or Michael Guerin. This morning it's uh, Michael Guerin over, uh, looking over a, a pretty busy weekend of trots action coming up. We've got Alexandra Park and Invercargill, uh, so top and bottom of the country tonight. And then on Sunday, a really big meeting at Methven, uh, and that is uh, represented by the uh, Methven Cup being their highlight. Uh, it is race nine, 3.44, and that, Michael Guerin, is a very high-class field. It is, Smithy. Good morning to you. Big hi to everybody around the country. Um, yeah, it, it's a good race meeting, and we had initially had some fears around about Wednesday that the meeting may be snowbombed because obviously it's been snowing down in Canterbury. Mm-hmm. The track there is fine, so no, no issues with the snow. Um, they were concerned that if there was snow, it would then melt and, and obviously be a wet grass track because Methven is probably the best known grass track in the country. But that's no, all cool. And the good horses are heading there. So self-assured, who's a New Zealand and Auckland Cup winner and, of course, won the race by Grins in the SENZ slot. He returned last week at Addington and was really good running third, and he'll be fitter for that outing. He's up against Spankham, 
South Coast Arden, the Pukakoe Pacer, Kango, Cranbourne, so really good horses. Now, this is the only time of the entire year, Smithy, that the best horses, the elite, race on the grass. So there's quite a few grass tracks in New Zealand, but harness racing predominantly, for most people listening to this, happens on grit or all-weather tracks. So this is the grass, grass track meeting or race for the year. So that's coming up on Sunday. Tonight at Alexandra Park, we see some serious horses returning. And one horse, Smitty, I, I don't think he's a champion yet, but he might end up being a champion. His name is Bolt for Brilliance. Now, he's a two-time harness jewels winner. He won the Row Cup, beating a champion in Sunday Sun back in May. He returns tonight, and he starts a campaign. Uh, he should win tonight, by the way. He's only very short. Mm-hmm. He's a dollar thirty-five at the tab. But he starts a campaign which is going to take him from Auckland to Kaikoura to Addington. And then if the planes work out well, because obviously horses can't fly by themselves, he'll head to Melbourne for the Inter-Dominions coming up in late November and December. So he starts a very important campaign, taking him all over Australasia tonight at Alexandra Park. He's off a 30-metre back mark, but that won't matter because he was excellent at the recent trial. So he's the star of the show there in Bacargo, as you mentioned, also today. And then, of course, we have some massive galloping action coming out of Matamata, Hawera, and the Australian centres tomorrow. And I imagine you'll be focusing on that uh, in your two shows over the weekend as well, beginning tomorrow morning. Well, Smithy, I won't, but people more talented than me will because I'm in Melbourne. I'm actually uh, in Melbourne for the Victoria Cup, which is a major harness race tomorrow uh, that involves copy that. Zealand Cup champion. So I'm over in Melbourne and then I'm going to Sydney to go to the sales for the ready-to-run sales coming up on Tuesday. But um, Louis Herman Watt will be on here tomorrow morning from 8 o'clock on SENZ. He has a huge show because last week we had major racing down your way, as you know, which didn't get off the ground because of the heavy track at Hastings. Mm. Those races have moved to Matamata, and Louis will have a stack of interviews, including track conditions. That's from 8 o'clock in the morning, the mail run. Then Greg O'Connor is on 11 o'clock on Sunday for what's going to be a massive trot show previewing um, Methvin. So those fellas and all their interview subjects and everybody else involved at SCNZ, along with the good oil tomorrow afternoon, they're going to make sure, now that footy season's finished for the NRL and, and for domestically, the, the, the All Black season's finished, before the uh, Ladies World Cup gets off the ground, Smithy, we're going to have lots of racing to keep people occupied. It's going to be a huge old weekend, kicking off tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with tomorrow. Good on you, uh, Michael. Uh, enjoy Melbourne. It's hard not to uh, if you're a racing or a sporting man, but um, enjoy Melbourne, and we'll catch up with you next week, eh? Thank you. I look forward to it, Smitty. Thank you, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Michael Guerin there, uh, live out of Melbourne. Right, uh, we'll have Mark Stafford live out of the studio in a few minutes' time as well as we hand over to him. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.